Any authentic account of the American War of Independence has to be about human endurance. For the rebellious Americans, it was about self-government and freedom from political, economic, or religious exploitation, but they discovered that they would have to endure a long war to secure that freedom. At the onset of the conflict, they lacked a standing army, the trained men and equipment to create one, the money to pay for the effort, or a bureaucracy to manage it, and they had little more than the self-appointed Continental Congress to provide leadership. What sense of unity the citizens of the separate thirteen colonies of Great Britain in North America possessed, ironically derived more from sharing a common enemy than from sharing common goals. The fractious Americans had to find ways to come together to maintain a rebellion that would endure long enough for them to form a new kind of government through protracted debate and compromise. It would take a dozen years for the basic structure of a new federal government to emerge, and even then it was uncertain whether the new democratic system could endure for the long term. In the meantime, the colonies moved forward with an improvised national government, an improvised navy, an improvised army, and an improvised economy, all while holding off the finest armed forces of the day. England's army and navy were as formidable as any on earth in 1776, but they were deployed far from home at the ends of stretched and vulnerable supply lines. The British army in America was large and well-trained and supplemented by German regulars, but required to deploy across a largely forested landscape that was vaster than most of them had previously imagined possible and inhabited by hostile rebels, sullen undecideds, and fewer loyalist supporters than they had hoped for. Consequently, the British had to endure a long campaign to suppress a popular rebellion that enjoyed local support, adequate supplies of food, a huge theater of operation, and the tactical advantage of being able to escape repeatedly to fight another day. The war that broke out in the spring of 1775 in Massachusetts would test the endurance of nations, of institutions of many kinds, and of the individual men and women who found themselves caught up in it all. Most of the histories of the war take a broad view, which is characteristic of traditional historical writing. There are notable exceptions, such as Shear and Rankin's Rebels and Redcoats, which uses letters, diaries, journals, and other first-hand reports to tell the story at a more personal level. However, even their book can only sample the history of the war from Lexington to Yorktown, seven years of conflict. More coherent personal accounts have been published, but most of them are too idiosyncratic and too limited in scope to be of more than biographical interest. To bridge the chasm between the endurance of conflict told at large scale and the endurance of the individual human beings who lived and died over the course of it, this book tells the story of a pivotal thirty-three days in the autumn of 1777 from the personal points of view of a few dozen people. Taken together, their narratives make up the threads of these critical thirty-three days in American history during which, on a little patch of ground in upstate New York, the future of a new nation tipped from uncertain to inevitable. Background The political agenda of the American Revolution was driven by ideas derived mainly from the political and scientific advances of the Age of Enlightenment. Thomas Paine's Common Sense, which articulated many of these ideas, had a big impact when it was published in 1776. 
However, because the ideas expressed by Paine and others were debatable, they did not constitute parts of a single coherent political ideology. Instead, they were the elements of what would be an emergent political process. The Articles of Confederation had been drafted by November 1777, but it would take more than three years for this stopgap document to be ratified. The founders would require much more debate before formalizing a better Constitution of the United States in 1788. Even then, it would remain subject to amendment and thus forever tentative, unlike the rigid and static religious ideologies that already existed or some similarly rigid political ideologies that would remain or become popular in later centuries. The founders tended to be deists, or at least sympathetic to deism, people who were skeptical of religious ideology, skeptical of institutionalized religion in general, and of Christian doctrines in particular. This predisposed them to favor flexible democratic processes over rigid absolutes.